0: Well, good morning to all of you here in the room. Good morning to those of you watching us online this morning. Great to see you all. You're all a part of Connect wherever you find yourselves today, and it's great to have you here this morning. Uh, we've been talking for a few weeks about this idea of uh, fear and how, as followers of Jesus, we can choose to step into faith instead of fear. And uh, Because it's amazing, isn't it, how fear really can be a, a, a revealer of who we are. You know, when we face situations, fear can sometimes expose the reality of who we are. Uh, My wife, Casey, uh, before we were married, she was part of a ministry program called Ace Teams. And uh, that involved her working with a team of young adults and traveling from church to church, uh, serving them in whatever way she could. And there was one church that her team was serving. This was 20 plus years ago. And uh, it was in a pretty um, uh, shady area, you know, a tough area. And this church was doing a, a program for the kids. And they decided, to have the team go and knock door-to-door in the community to let parents know and to invite the kids to the program. So already, it's it's a little bit of a dodgy neighborhood, so um, they they paired up, they didn't want to go alone, so she gets to go with this one guy on the team. He's a pretty big guy, so I think she was feeling pretty safe being with this particular guy. And they were going door-to-door, knocking, you know, hey, we're from this church, we're doing this kids' program, we'd love for you to join us. If you've got kids, send them along this Saturday morning. She tells the story that this one house they walked into, and uh, they kind of walked up the path, went around the side, and up some steps onto the porch where the, the door was. And, and right as they got onto the porch, they could hear this, this noise, and around the corner comes this dog with a chain attached to its collar. And she said both of them were kind of on ledge. edge, this dog looks a little bit scary, and literally as it turns the corner, they just watch the chain just snap <laughs> free from the collar. And in that instant, fear kicked in. And fear became a great revealer of uh, Casey's partner in this particular situation, because as that dog came running towards them, they turned to run out of the yard, and he grabbed Casey... (laughs) pushed her out of the way onto the ground. She fell over and ran out of the yard. Now, I think even the dog took pity on Casey, because he's like, seriously, dude, you're going to do that? Because even the dog kind of slowed down and, and was okay, you know, didn't do anything. But she's after she says to him, what were you thinking? He's like, I don't, know, I don't know. I just panicked, and, and suddenly, and and I think he realised what we all know is that you know when you're in in danger of a wild animal attack, you don't need to run faster than the wild animal. You just need to run faster than the person you're with. That's the uh, so he made sure that not only was he running faster, but he got a good push off as well. You know, to increase his speed and decrease hers. But uh, that's the sad thing about fear is we can we can feel like we are a certain way or we we can handle things, and there's some. Suddenly a situation comes along and and fear can take control, can't it? And that's what we've been talking about in this series, is is the impacts that fear can have on our lives. And for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, I wish it was just a switch that got turned on the moment that we, we accepted Jesus to be our Lord. But in actual fact, there is a faith element we have to choose to believe. We have to step into that faith that Jesus is with us. And it's going to be okay. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about fear in general. On the first week, uh, you might remember, I was in quarantine at the time. So I shared a message from my house via video and had a little seesaw that I'd created. And I used it to illustrate the point I was trying to make that first week. That I know in my life that like a seesaw, when fear rises, I see my faith diminish. But if I make a conscious decision to trust Jesus in the situations I find myself in and and I allow my faith to rise, it almost has this effect where fear goes down. And I think that's the case for many of us. We we get to make that choice. Which one am I going to give the more weight to? Following that, Whitney, a couple of weeks ago, came and spoke and did a great job of of bringing us another idea about just the idea of faith and fear and how we, as followers of Jesus, we have this option where we can, um, when we face fearful situations, we just have to look at what God has done. We just have to look at at what he's done. We sang this song earlier, I see the evidence of your goodness. I wrote those words down because it's great because we just have to look at the evidence of his goodness in our lives. So when we face those fearful moments, sometimes we need to look back and remember all those other times we were fearful and all those times God came through. His faithfulness was great. And that gives us, that builds our faith as we step into those fearful situations. And then last week we had a guest speaker, his name was Ryan, and um, he talked about the idea that um, Jesus and his disciples, they were in the midst of this storm one day And the disciples made this very simple mistake. A mistake that we all make very often is when we're in the midst of the storm, we can look in one of two places. We can look at the waves and the wind and the storm, or we can look at Jesus, who's right there in the boat with us. And the disciples, they looked at the wind and the waves and fear crept in and and Jesus said, listen, I'm here with you. So we've kind of been using this, this phrase, fear is an emotion caused by the belief of potential future loss. Fear is an emotion caused by the belief of potential future loss. And that's kind of identifying fear. When when we look at faith, the sentence kind of builds. It says, fear is the belief that there may be loss in the future, but faith is the belief that God's best is in the future, so we have a choice. We can, we can stick towards fear where we think there might be something bad happening in the future or we stick to faith where we believe that God's best is in the future. But this morning as we close out this series, what I want us to do is we've talked about the general idea of fear. So I want to spend one week looking at a specific element, one specific topic that I think for all of us at one time or another can cause fear, anxiety in our lives. I think one of the biggest fears that that we can face, it can be centered around the security in the area of our finances. Of our finances, our job security, the bills, making ends meet, covering those extra expenses that we didn't see coming, maybe a bad financial decision that we made. All of these things can cause fear to rise up in our lives, can't they? They say that in marriages, one of the greatest sources of tension and conflict can sometimes be finances and the fear of what might happen. And then adds to that a a global pandemic and the economic instability that comes with it, the, the potential of job loss or loss of income, or if you're a business owner, loss of revenue. And suddenly, fear can go through the roof. Because this is a very real problem that we're facing. That emotion caused by that belief of potential future loss for us personally, in our businesses, in our jobs, it becomes very real and fear creeps in. So today, I want to share with you how you can put your faith in God, choose faith over fear to provide for you, and how faith in Him and His provision will help you overcome that fear. So we're going to talk a little bit about what God says about um, finances and His provision and His promise to look after us if we'll put Him first in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't stand it when I'm doing something in my house or in my yard, and uh, I I bring out whatever tool or machine I'm going to use in my yard. Now, I look across, and my neighbor has just got something so much better than what I've got. I've got this old, beat-up leaf blower, and he's got this thing that straps to his back, and it just, I mean, it shoots the leaves. Halfway down the street, it's just incredible. So, earlier this summer, I was, uh, I was out mowing my yard, and uh, I've got a push mower. It takes me about an hour to mow the whole yard. Um, and do you say mow the yard? As I'm saying that, it doesn't sound right. You cut the grass, mow the yards, whatever. I was, I was pushing the grass, I, was, I had a little mower. <laughs> it just. It just Do you say mow the grass? That's right, right? Sometimes my England-America just clashes, and I can't remember what I used to say and what I should be saying now. So I was cutting the grass, mowing the yard. So I was doing both. And um, as I was out there, um, pushing away, I look across, and lo and behold, I see my neighbour... And look what he's got. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> I got a push, and you got one of these. Now, th- this is an actual picture from my yard. Um, he does have one of those, but he's not actually a homeowner. My neighbor is a field. It's a massive field. And uh, so I was, I was literally out cutting my grass one day, and this guy was driving around in that thing. And I'm like, you're going to get done a lot quicker than I am. So, um, so this field next to our uh, house... Um, every year um, someone comes and another big machine similar to that plants something and then it's kind of exciting for us because it's always different what's going to grow there. It's always changing. So some years, you know, spring comes and we start to see the corn coming up and we're like, all right, this year is corn. And then other years it's other stuff, which I've no idea what, because corn's the only thing I do recognize. Maybe the farmers out there, the country folk will tell me the other things that might be growing. But for the most part, when it's corn, I recognize it. But here's what I do know. Whatever that guy plants in that field in the spring, if he plants corn, do you know what grows? Corn. It's crazy, right? When he plants corn, corn grows. When he plants whatever else he plants, that's what grows too, because there is a principle in agriculture that what you plant is what grows, what you sow is what you reap. Now we all know that, that's pretty obvious, but I wonder if you realize this morning that that I believe that God has put that principle into, into creation. That as we live our lives, that what we sow, we also reap. And I think that plays out even in our finances. About 55 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, a guy by the name of Paul was, was on the scene and he was um, travelling around the New Testament world, planting churches, leading people into a relationship with Jesus, doing amazing things to build the Kingdom of God. And in the process, he was writing letters to these churches that he helped to build. One of the letters he writes is to a church in Corinth and he talks about this idea of generosity. Generosity. And giving. Listen to what he says to the the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, remember this. A farmer, as we just discovered, who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I think this is such an important few verses to read as we think about fear and faith and and fear when it comes to our finances. Because ultimately, and especially now in the midst of all that's going on in COVID, I think for some of us, whereas our personal finances whether um, it's our financial income from our job, maybe you're a business owner and it's your, your business revenue, there is that fear, what if I don't get what I need? And here Paul reminds us, he's talking to the church in Corinth, but this is truth for all of us, that God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. But, for us to experience that in our lives, it's going it's to require us choosing faith instead of fear. We'll need to choose faith instead of fear. And let me explain what I mean by that. Faith is what leads someone to give cheerfully. Paul talked about that, didn't he? He said he, he loves it when people give cheerfully. It's faith that leads you to do that. Because if we're honest with ourselves, fear has the complete opposite effect, doesn't it? If faith leads us to give cheerfully, fear tells us you better hold on tighter. You better hoard what you've got. Because fear says, you're in control. You better make sure you you do what's right. And if you don't think that's right, if you don't think that fear leads us to hoarding, then i got two words for you this morning. Two words. Toilet paper. (laughs) I mean, Seriously. (laughs) The evidence is right there. We've lived through this. Our grandchildren's children will be in history lessons a hundred years from now, and their teacher will be talking about 2020. And the kid's going to put their hand up and go, "Just explain that whole toilet paper thing again to me. Why were they all buying it? Why was it selling out everywhere? What was that about?" And the professor, the teacher's going to say, "I don't know. No one really knows." Because the people who were alive at that time, they're not really sure why (laughs) everyone decided that we had to buy toilet paper and hoard it. And for a short spell of time, back in March of 2020, toilet paper was more valuable than gold. (sighs) So I don't know why it was with toilet paper, but I think the motivation was because in in our selfish hearts at the time, in our fearful hearts, that mentality, that idea of hoarding creeps in. And whether it's toilet paper or... Whatever else, fear causes us to hold on tight. Fear says we better hoard and not think about anyone but ourselves. Because fear assumes that we are the only source. For those of you this morning who are followers of Jesus here in the room, watching online, faith faith is understanding that God is our source that God will provide in our lives, that we trust him in the good times and in the bad times. In the times of plenty and in the times of few, we trust God that God is our source. Paul reminds us that, doesn't he, as he's talking to this church in Corinth. He says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. He says, when we, when we live by faith, when we choose to be people who, who cheerfully give, God will provide all that we need. So practically this morning, for us here at Connect, for us watching online this morning, part of the Connect family, what does it look like to be a cheerful giver? How does that play out in a practical way in our lives? I came up with a few ideas, and maybe you can identify to one of these these three ideas I came up with when it comes to, to giving and being a cheerful giver. Maybe you are someone this morning who, when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity in your life, you would see yourself as being somebody who is willing to respond. Someone who would respond. So a person who responds is someone that, when the need presents itself, I want to be somebody who's generous, I'm going to respond. When I go into Walmart this Christmas and the, the guy's there with the bell, if I've got some money in my pocket, I'm going to put it in the bucket. When I get the fundraiser and I have to buy some, some cookie dough, whatever it might be, I, I'm going to respond, I'm going to help. When the, the offering is taken at church on a Sunday, I'm, I'm going to respond, I want to be someone who's generous. And the cool thing is, so we're, we're still fairly young as a church, we're only about seven years old. And I get to meet families, individuals who call Connect their church home now, who didn't used to go to church at all. Since we launched, they've discovered a relationship with Jesus, now they find themselves here on a weekly basis. And, and folks will tell me, they'll say, Dave, we've started to give some money to the church, we've never done anything like that before. This is brand new for us, but my faith in Jesus has caused me to, to respond, to be more of a generous person. And I see the good it's doing in my life and in the life of others. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've, you've kind of stepped onto that first step there and said, I want to be somebody who, when when the need presents itself, I want to be generous. I want to trust God. I don't want to give. So, so maybe you're a responder this morning. Maybe you're, you're a little bit further down the path and you're a planner. Okay, the, ne- the next step beyond respond is somebody who plans to give. So someone who plans to give is, is kind of a little bit beyond the response. That's when you've decided that generosity isn't something you're going to do just as a response. You're actually going to be intentional. You're going to put a plan in place. I'm going to give on a regular basis. Whether it be to my church or to an organization, I, I want to plan to give because I think as a follower of Jesus, this is part of what it looks like to be generous. And it can be hard when finances are, are a struggle, when we're in times like this, this pandemic time. But but I'm gonna choose to plan to give because I believe that God loves a cheerful giver and that He wants to provide. He wants to be my source. So when I say, God, what I have is yours, I'm trusting him with my finances because I believe he's going to look after me in my finances. And then finally, and I love this last one because whenever I talk about stuff like this at church and giving and money and things like that, I always feel like there's two groups of people in the room. There's, there's the group who, who maybe don't give or they, they, they feel like they should be giving more or doing more and they kind of squirm a bit and they're like, oh, I wish he wasn't talking about this. I wish I hadn't come this week. I wish I came last week when it was the, new, the guy from out of town. He was really funny. Uh, I don't like this week. Uh, maybe I'll come back next week. It'll be something different. That'll be better. And, but then there's the other group and you're sitting again. oh, I'm good. I give. Talk away, Dave. This isn't for me at all because I already give. In fact, I plan. I've, I've got a plan in place. I give, so it doesn't apply to me whatsoever. But I think there's a third group. The third group is those of us who need to reevaluate. Reevaluate. Maybe you have been giving uh, for a long time. Maybe you give in a set way. Maybe you've planned to give. But when was the last time you allowed God to stretch your faith? When was the last time you even asked God, God, is there something different you'd like me to do? Would you like me to give in a new way or a different way or in a different direction? Because if we're not careful, this becomes something that we we can hoard where God wants us to just trust Him as His source. Paul writes another letter to a church in another city called Philippi. And as he writes this church in Philippi, still talking about this idea of giving, he says this, As you know, you Philippians, Philippians chapter four, you know you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first bought you the good news and then travelled on from Macedonia. So he's, he's commending this group of Christians, this church, because they supported him financially. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, rather I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. So, Paul's acknowledging them, he's celebrating them, he's thanking them, but he's also saying, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Another verse that, um, uh, sorry, another translation of this verse, the New International Version, it, it puts the same verse this way. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Isn't that a great phrase? He's saying to this church in Philippi, hey, thanks so much for giving. Your gift really did help, but, but the reason I'm saying this is because I want to make sure, and my desire is that, that your account is credited for your giving. Because Paul understands this idea of sowing and reaping, that because they've given, that they're going to they're gonna reap in return. And the truth is, I'll be honest with you, anytime time I talk about finances as a pastor in church, it's, it's difficult for me. And I think the reason it's difficult is because all of us probably have seen churches or uh, ministers on TV who have have abused this a little bit, and have used this this biblical principle to, to inspire people to give, and they themselves have profited from it. They've built their lavish lifestyles, or whatever it may be. So I sometimes tend to want to steer away from this conversation, but... In my heart of hearts, I feel like I have to say, number one, because we're talking about fear and this is such an area of our lives that can can grip us with fear. But number two, because I believe, like Paul taught, that when we are cheerful givers, when we give, God provides. When we give, God sees that. Our our accounts, He keeps track of what we do. That's the kind of generosity I think God's looking for in all of us. So when I talk about giving and generosity, it's not for our sake, but for yours. When it comes to finances and the fear that can often come with it, I think faith in God's desire to meet our needs drives away that fear. Verse 18, Paul says, at the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And then in verse 19, I love this. He sums up this whole section on generosity. He says, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God wants to supply all of our needs from his glorious riches. And I recognise this morning that there very well could be two sets of people in the room this morning. Maybe you're in a situation where finances are okay right now. You've been fortunate through this 2020 situation where your job has remained secure and and you're doing okay, but you still have sensed that little bit of, but with all the unsettlement, with all this economic uncertainty, maybe I need to kind of pull back a bit. Maybe I need to just be careful here with, with my finances. And we started to take control. Instead of trusting God, we got a little bit fearful. But I also know that we have folks, because I, I speak to these people during the week, who this has been a very challenging year. Financially, this has been a real source of fear because things have changed drastically. And I want to assure you this morning that I believe with all of my heart that God wants to meet your needs. God wants to provide for you. But it's going to take us choosing faith over fear. Fear. And God, I'm going to choose to to trust you. I'm going to choose to believe that in the same way that you were there for me years ago, you're going to be here for me in the midst of this trial, this financial struggle that I'm in. And I want to assure you as a church that that we believe this to be true. So just in closing out, I wanted to just reiterate our, our Give 2020 that we're doing next Sunday. So for the last few years at Connect, we've always kind of come to the end of the year and had some kind of way for people to give back. And the reason we do that is because we're coming up on that time, it's going to be Black Friday, Christmas, consumerism, you know. There, there's, I, I love buying presents for my kids, but there is definitely a temptation to get caught up into this, this awful, just man, how much money are we spending? So a lot of people, they, they look for ways around this time of the year to be able to give back. Some people like to give at the end of the year for tax reasons. So, so a lot of churches at the end of the year will, will provide an opportunity for people to give at the close of the year. And some churches, and we've done this at Connect, towards the end of the year have said, hey, this year uh, we're going to provide an opportunity to give back and it's going to help us in this area. And 2020 has been a challenging year. And um, there was definitely a sense where we as leaders were thinking, you know, maybe we should have a, a, a thing at the end of the year where people can give to Connect just to make sure that our bills are paid and the staff salaries are paid and all the ministries that we're a part of can continue on. But we felt like Give 2020 was the direction God was leading us in to take this collection and to give to others, to send that to others who are in need. Because we also believe as a church that if we will be generous with what we've got, if we will help others, that God will look after us. So that was our choice in Give 2020 this year, was to make that decision to say, you know what, we're going to take this and we're going to try and bless people outside of the church. Trusting God that He'll look after us. And I think in our personal finances, we can do the same. We can trust God in those areas of our life. So, in closing this morning, I think this is something we could talk about every year. Because, as much as we know it in our heads, when those situations come in, fear starts to rise up and it starts to affect us. So, I hope and pray over the last few weeks, in whatever area of your life it's been, finances, job, health, school, whatever you find yourself in, that you found a way in these last few weeks to say, I'm gonna choose faith over fear. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And uh, the truth is, Lord, as, as easy as this is to talk about, when we face those situations, it's difficult to live out. But thank you, God, that we can look back and see the evidence of your goodness. Just like we sang this morning, the evidence of your goodness in our lives, in every area of our lives. So help us, Lord, not to give in to fear, but to stretch ourselves, to stretch our faith, to trust you in every area of our lives. To trust that you are the God who wants to provide in every area of our lives. And knowing that, Lord, having that faith, I pray it'll take away that fear. In Jesus' name, amen.